Well, good morning to you. It's time for us to begin our midday program here on this Tuesday at 1130. Another overcast and chilly day. But uh, as we'll hear from Paul coming up in about 15 minutes, uh, the there is light at the end of the tunnel, both figuratively and literally there. Lots of stuff going on as uh, we finish up with some WASD. We finish up with crop progress. So lots going on in ag right now. We'll start it off with Susan Littlefield. On a Tuesday from the farm team, Shaley's going to kick it all off here at 1219 as she talks with Cammie Wells on some safe handling practices when you are using meat. Then I'll step in at 1245 as we're going to get an update on what's been happening with some wheat research at Kansas State University. And then Alex wraps everything up at 117 with an extension assistant and shares information about the 2020 pesticide container cycling program. It's going to be a busy midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you, Susan. I figured as much. I figured it would be. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. You and I talked a while back uh, through much of Danny Knees and everybody else's. We talked about needing a big guy for Nebraska basketball. It's been a while. Maybe we got one. Yeah, head coach Fred Hoiberg has found one today. Verbal commitment from Eduardo Andre. 6'10", 220 pounds. He's lean. Mm-hmm. He, he will need to put on some weight and some strength. Yeah. But uh, he's a kid that comes out of Arizona, and he had a pretty nice offer list. Illinois, Maryland, Texas A&M, all interested in him. Appears to be kind of a project. But, hey, if Illinois or Maryland wants him, he should be good enough to play in Nebraska. I'm sorry, did you say, is this a JUCO guy or is this a high school kid? high school kid, kid so really? a prep school kid. So uh, we'll tell you more about him coming up in sports. This was pretty nice plan B or C get for the Huskers after they had missed out a couple of uh, top prospects who had said no. So that fills their recruiting slot. Okay. They, they have all of the scholarships filled at this point. Also coming up, we'll tell you about the Husker football team going down under to get a punter recruit. We'll tell you more about Daniel Cerny, who has worked with a group there in Australia that over the years, and if you stop to think about it, there's been a lot of guys come from Australia who ended up punting in college football, and a handful of them have had successful NFL careers. Well, he comes from that academy, and the Huskers certainly could use some depth at that position. It's a nice move for Coach Scott Frost. Speaking of Coach Frost, I believe he's on Sports Nightly tonight. Okay. So that starts at 6, so folks can tune in for that. And we will see. I like Major League Baseball, the owner's idea to try to get this thing started. But they're having to convince the union today, and it has to do with splitting revenue sharing and uh, taking less money. But what a PR nightmare that would be for the players if they're the ones to hold this up. Mm. Well, we'll see, I guess. Thank you, Jason. We turn it over to Bob Brogan now. Stocks are uh, up. A little kind of mix, right, Bob? Stocks are, um, yeah, mixed. That's probably the best way to put it in uh, trading on Wall Street. Investors waiting to see how well the lifting of lockdowns around the world goes. And also U.S. consumer prices fell a little bit in April. The biggest decline since the 2008 financial crisis. Dr. Anthony Fauci, meanwhile warning us, warning Congress, that if the country reopens too soon during this pandemic, it will bring down the house, and uh, so to speak, uh, maybe uh, it'll rain down on us or something like that. All right, all right we'll see. That's all coming up on Mid. It is time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins is in here with me right now. And much like yesterday, if uh, 
if you like cloudy weather, you've got it uh, <laughs> pretty much everywhere, except maybe if you are standing on Gavin's Point Dam right now uh, near Yankton or at Sioux City watching the river go by. Otherwise, golly, there may be, maybe a little bit less in Concordia, but it's socked in. Right? Exactly, yeah. I kind of checked some webcams, and I wasn't even able to see any sunshine on those maps in that northeast corner of Nebraska. Oh, okay. So, yeah, right. I think uh-huh. everybody is uh, suffering the consequences of a very gloomy day across the region. Yeah, we've had a couple of those. It's about time to get out, but I think you're going to tell us uh, some good news. Coming yes, up. Uh, coming up tomorrow, at least some seasonal temperatures, maybe still a fair amount of clouds, but... Definitely a warm-up on the way as we head towards the end of the week, and definitely as we head towards the next week. No kidding. Uh, of course, we always talk about right away from well below normal to summer. Here we go. It looks like that is going to be the case as you, we head towards next week. You may need a jacket. You may need shorts. Yes, right. uh, something you yeah, may have seen on Facebook. And <laughs> it is, I know we now know why it's May. It may rain, it may snow, it may be down to 20, it may be up to 70. That's, That's why they call it May. It's perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. Right now we do have temperatures in many areas in the mid-40s to right around 50. Some low 50s in eastern Nebraska on the cooler end of things, but still quite a bit of cloud cover that's really thick over much of west-central Nebraska and northwest Kansas, where temperatures are still in the upper 30s to low 40s, including down to 39 at McCook and North Platte at 11.30 in the morning, 44 in the Lexington area, and 43 in Broken Bow. Easterly upslope winds for today against the front to our west will keep our skies mainly cloudy. A little light rain is possible closer to that front that's straight from eastern areas of Wyoming into eastern Colorado. But nothing too much in the way of any rain right now in those areas. Temperatures will be slightly warmer, but still 20 degrees below normal for this time of year. A southeast flow will keep the clouds in place for tonight. Could see some isolated rain and thunderstorms. If we do see any rain, all the rain totals will be on the very light side. Seasonal temperatures are back for tomorrow with the warm front tracking to the east. So at least near normal temperatures for tomorrow. Thunderstorms a possibility late in the day into tomorrow night. Some of those storms could be severe. The main threat of large hail. The better chance of severe weather, though, from Red Cloud and points to the south and east. In between systems for most of the day on Thursday, we will be mainly sunny with seasonal temperatures. Often on thunderstorm chances are back by late Thursday into Saturday with slow-moving low pressure. There will be plenty of dry breaks, though, with rain totals averaging between a quarter to three-quarters of an inch. Not expecting a whole lot of rain from that uh, period Thursday through Saturday. Sunday and next week will be warmer and drier with the building ridge of high pressure. And so much warmer that it's going to be possibly up to as high as 90 by the time we hit Tuesday of next week. In our long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures very likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. for a fairly long time here, Sunday through Memorial Day. Average central Nebraska highs during that time in the low to mid-70s with average overnight lows right around 50. The outlook begins with below normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas the early half of next week. Late next week through Memorial Day, the outlook trends near normal to slightly above normal rainfall. So temperatures at 7 this morning and at the 4-inch depth in the low 40s for central and western Nebraska. Into northwest Kansas over the eastern third of Nebraska and the rest of Kansas, the sold temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. Key weather factors affecting the markets include cool to cold temperatures with rain in the Midwest and beneficial rain in the southern plains. Across the plains and Midwest, the weather will focus 
The weather focus will begin to switch from below normal temperatures to near to above normal temperatures by the end of the week across much of the eastern half of the U.S. Significant rain will accompany that warming trend. Five-day rain totals could reach two to four inches from eastern Texas into the mid-Mississippi Valley and the lower Great Lakes in the north and east Midwest. Temperatures may fall below freezing once again tomorrow morning. That trend will that will continue the trend of several mornings of sub-freezing temperatures since last week and increases their concern for recently emerging crops and developing wheat. Moderate to heavy rain through this weekend could also cause some flooding concerns. Nearly a third of the corn has emerged now in Missouri, Minnesota, and Nebraska, while fewer than 10% of the soybeans are emerged in all Midwestern states, with the exception of Illinois. In the western southern plains, moderate to locally heavy rain yesterday was a benefit to the winter wheat. Additional rain expected the rest of the week, but mainly in central and eastern areas of the southern plains. Lows this morning near freezing in northwest Kansas and western Nebraska should come or mark the end of some sub-freezing temperatures for this growing season. All right, I guess we will wait and see. It'll be a, It's such a strange situation when last year we couldn't get any crops in the field. Now we get them in the field. And then it freezes. Yeah, so, we, get know, it, just, we get that cold blast. Luckily, you know, it hasn't been too bad over the last few days. And, you know, that corn just kind of coming out of the ground. Yeah, so I hopefully. think a lot of people will be in all right shape, looks I like. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Whether it's for the first time or just the next time, more people are buying beef in larger quantities. I'm Shaley Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. And today we're going to visit with an extension educator for Nebraska Food, Nutrition, and Health in Hall County. It's Cami Wells. And Cami, I wanted to talk to you today about uh, the fact that we are in a situation, we are seeing people buy uh, larger quantities, whether it's uh, if they're able to get it at the grocery store or whether they're going to their local butcher, local producer, and maybe purchasing a half or a whole uh, animal for their freezers. It's not quite the same as buying that fresh product in and using it out of your fridge uh, throughout the week. So there are some safe handling practices involved with storage. And as far as preparation for cooking, we're going to talk about some of those today, whether it's just a, a good refresher or a reminder for people that have done it before or for a lot of people doing this for the first time, maybe things they didn't know. Let's jump into this, uh, just talking about bringing that product home fresh for the first time they're looking to freeze it. So certainly if, they're, if you're bringing it home fresh, you want to handle it right away, get it into the freezer. Um, don't let it sit in your fridge for a couple days or a couple weeks. You want to think about putting it into packages that typically your family use, size packages your family uses. So if your family of four, it may be a pound. Um, if you're a bigger family, it may be a couple pounds, those kinds of things. So you want to make sure that you're using some freezer paper. Um, the more you can wrap it, typically the lot better and longer it's going to take. You want to make sure if you're using freezer bags, this is the freezer type. It's not just the regular Ziploc bags. The freezer ones are much thicker. They're going to keep things fresher longer. If you're using some type of storage container, you know, typically like a cottage cheese container or a cool container, not really designed to keep foods frozen for a long period of time. So you want to use some type of thicker container that's more designed to keep frozen foods longer. Um, you want to make sure that you've got it well stacked. If it's a large amount, you probably don't want to do the whole thing at once, kind of do it in smaller amounts. But that should keep you set for a pr- pretty long time. 
Um, as far as how long things keep, well, you know, if it's, if it's frozen solid, it's going to be safe for a really long time. All right. Now let's fast forward for people that uh, have successfully uh, frozen their large quantities of meat are looking to now pull them out of the freezer and use them. There are certain ways to do this that are safer than others. I think a lot of people maybe have heard some old wives' tales, but there are safer ways to do this. Let's talk about that in preparation for uh, getting that frozen meat ready to eat. So if you've got some frozen meat in your freezer and you're ready to use it, there are several different safe ways to thaw it. Um, The one thing you don't want to do is bring it out and set it on your counter all day. So really, if you, you want to go ahead and put it in your fridge, if you have time, so set it in your, on your fridge, maybe a plate. So generally, depending how big a product, you know, two, couple days or so, if you forget or you just don't have time to go ahead and put it in your fridge, you know, the microwave's a great way. It doesn't thaw the best, but you want to make sure that you cook it immediately after you thaw it in the microwave. A couple of other options would be just to cook it immediately from frozen. So you can, you know, as long as it gets it up to the proper temperature, it's just going to take a little while. Usually the quality with that is not as great because the outside is going to get cooked fairly quickly or it's going to take a lot longer for that inside to get to the correct temperature. And then the last method that's safe is the cold water method. So if you have a package, um, you can set it in cold water and change that every 30 minutes um, if you have time. And that um, works fairly well also. All right. Well, thanks for sharing this information. It's Cami Wells. She is a Nebraska Extension Educator, Food, Nutrition, and Health in Hall County. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska men's basketball coach Fred Hoiberg has found a much-needed big man to wrap up his 2020 recruiting class. Eduardo Andre, verbally committed to Nebraska today. Andre, a six foot ten, two hundred and twenty pound center, finished his high school career at Chandler, Arizona Compass Prep. He picked Nebraska over a nice list of schools, including Illinois, Maryland, and Texas A&M. Andre was unable to take a campus visit due to the coronavirus, but he did see Nebraska's campus and facilities via a Zoom call. Former Nebraska guard Deshaun Burke, who's set to graduate from NU this summer, will officially turn pro instead of finishing his college career at South Alabama. Burke last year averaged about 12 points per game for the Huskers. He had one season of eligibility left, but instead has decided to head to the pros. Well, Nebraska football has gone to the other side of the world to add a specialist as Daniel Cerny. An Australian rules football player announced he's coming to Lincoln on a full scholarship to play football this fall. Cerny has worked with Pro Kick Australia. That's an organization that helps develop and place punters throughout American football. Now, the Huskers punter for the last two seasons, Isaac Armstrong, graduated, and the Huskers certainly could use some depth at that position. It's the players' union's turn at the plate. Major League Baseball owners gave the go-ahead yesterday to making a proposal to the union that could lead to the coronavirus-delayed season starting around the 4th of July weekend at ballparks without fans. The plan also envisions expanding the designated hitter to the National League for next year. Now, spring training would start in early to mid-June. MLB officials are making a presentation to the union today. An agreement with the Players Association is needed, and talks are expected to be difficult. Each team would play about 82 regular season games. Teams would prefer to play at their regular season ballparks, but would switch to spring training stadiums and neutral sites if medical and government approvals can't be obtained for games at home. There's a chance that Toronto might have to play at a spring training facility in Florida. And the pandemic is continuing to impact how college athletic programs make their travel plans as they budget for the upcoming year. 
Cancellation of the NCAA tournament has produced a budget crunch that leaves colleges looking for cost-saving measures. One simple step is to cut back on travel. Chattanooga took a creative approach by announcing that any of its away games that haven't already been scheduled must be played within 150 miles of its campus. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. COVID-19 pandemic has become a significant part of global history, and the Buffalo County Historical Society would like to preserve part of that history. BCHS is looking for stories within the community to maintain the attitude of the pandemic from community members. Brock Anderson, Community Engagement Director, has more. We're mainly looking for stories from individuals that are essential workers. This can be a whole group of different things. You can be a construction worker, you can be a police officer, uh, a nurse, a doctor, but it could also be like truck drivers or employees at the local grocery store. Anderson adds that the idea is to preserve the emotions of the time currently rather than visit the subject later and mistake future issues with the pandemic. To submit a story, visit bchs.us. Mindful of monitoring the current COVID-19 impact, the Nebraska State Fair in Grand Island is still scheduled to go from August 28th to September 7th. Jamie Parr, Interim Director and Chief of Sales and Services with the State Fair, says many preparations are still underway. We are looking at data, the data that's being translated and recommended by the Central District Health Department through the mayor's office and, of course, through the governor's office. We're also looking at experiences, experiences that have been had around the nation so far. We communicate a lot with our fair industry, and then we also participate in conversations with travel and tourism. We're talking a lot with our insurance providers, and of course we are outreaching and communicating with our partners of the State Fair. This year's State Fair concerts will feature Hot Country and the Classics, with John Party, Dustin Lynch, and Clay Walker and Clint Black performing on September 3rd, 4th, and 6th, respectively, at 7 p.m. For rock music fans, Rat, Skid Row, and Quiet Riot will perform on Saturday, September 5th, at 7 p.m. Ticket information is available at statefair.org or like the State Fair's Facebook page. Two Rivers Public Health Department, in coordination with the Nebraska National Guard, Nebraska Public Health Lab, and the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services, will be offering COVID-19 drive through testing this week, beginning tomorrow, May 13th. Testing will be available on Wednesday at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., with 150 tests available in Kearney. Testing in Lexington will be available on Thursday 13th at the City Maintenance Building from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. with 150 tests available. On Friday, the testing will be available in Alma at the Johnson Building from 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. and in Franklin at the fairgrounds from 2 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. 75 tests are available at each site. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Winter wheat continues to grow and spring wheat is looking to go in the field. Join us every Wednesday at 417 for the Plansky Pure Winter Wheat Wednesday. We'll find out from the folks at Plansky Seed how the wheat crop is doing as we go from Texas all the way to Nebraska to check in with the weekly growth of the crop. 
With this year's winter wheat tour canceled due to COVID-19, it's a way to keep you up to date on how the crop for winter wheat is maturing. That's 417 Wednesdays on KRVN. Bringing a better quality wheat to the producer. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. That is the goal of one assistant professor at Kansas State University. Dr. Romolo Lolato talks to me about his wheat purity program. Sure, so uh, my program would have several, close to about 30 or 40 different research projects that are all very applied in nature. And this specific one uh, is uh, performed with the help of, uh, well, it's the financial support from the Kansas Crop Improvement Association. Uh, and also Polanski Seed uh, is not a direct financial support, but Polanski Seed, they are doing all the seed cleaning and seed purity for us. So uh, essentially, we selected a variety that is adapted throughout the state, um, that variety being SY Monument. And we are going through different parts of the seed cleaning process to try to quantify what's the likelihood uh, of uh, at least breaking even on the investment of going through the seed cleaning process and also uh, seed treatment, right, fungicide and insecticide seed treatment. So essentially, uh, we are using a seed that is either collected right out directly from the combine or very little, if any, cleaning at all. Um, we're also uh, evaluating uh, the seed that just comes out of the uh, of, out of the seeds, right, so air screens. And finally, uh, it would be going through a gravity table and even color sorting uh, through the through Polanski seeds again. So we have three levels of seed cleaning there, right? Uh, unclean seed, an air screen seed, and um, gravity table and color sorted seed. And we're looking at that within the context of e- either no fungicide and insecticide seed treatment or with uh, uh, treatment of insecticide and fungicide to the seed. Because our goal, again, is to try to to see what's the probability of break even from those uh, different uh, seed cleaning and seed treatment operations, we have that trial in 10 locations in the state of Kansas this year, right? So last year we, we had a trial in eight locations. This year we have another 10, and the goal is to do another 10 next year. So by the end, we might have close to 30 locations where we're looking at that probability of breaking even on those operations. It's important to make a difference there that we are already starting with quality seed, right? So it's uh, seed from fields that were managed as seed production fields. So it doesn't really reflect um, being run seed, right? That's a question that we get quite a bit whenever we're talking about this data out out to growers. Uh, We're seeing two, three bushel yield advantage across these eight locations where we had the trial last year uh, from each one of those steps in seed cleaning, right? So if we have an unclean seed and we go through the air screen, probably gaining about uh, two to three bushels, if we go up and uh, go through the gravity table and color sorting another two to three bushels. Um, So uh, we don't have that data, but if we would extrapolate this to a bean run seed, which many times the growers who are growing that seed not really, uh, not necessarily managing the field for a high quality seed, right? They're simply harvesting their field and perhaps storing it and then using it as a seed later. 
So those benefits could probably be even greater in being run situations. So because, and the reason I say this again, because we are already starting with seed coming out of fields that were managed as seed production fields. So it's a, it's, a, it's an exciting project there. Uh, again, it's an old problem that has been around for a considerable amount of time, especially when we consider that maybe uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but the percent of use of certified seed being relatively low in this region compared to other regions of the U.S., like the Pacific Northwest. So the goal there is really to quantify uh, for the grower what is what is worth it, right? Should they go through that process, putting the seed uh, and treating the seed and, and how many bushels is that worth? How, how often is it going to at least break even? And he talks about an issue that wheat producers need to keep ahead of well i guess we we the, the last thing statewide that we are seeing uh, is uh, development of stripe rust in the south part of the state right so we have uh, some stripe rust being developed in that uh, sumner county all the way to about Sal- saline county which encompasses central kansas and south central kansas so for now it's mostly being restricted to lower leaves but that's one thing that producers must be aware is that uh, once it's there in the lower leaves, if we have uh, cool and moist conditions, it, sh- it, it, it can develop really fast, especially in susceptible varieties. So uh, the recommendation there is to scout their fields, knowing that the spores are already around. Uh, scout their fields, especially focusing on those varieties that are more susceptible or intermediate to striperus. Remember that this disease can cause considerable amount of yield loss. And so uh, it's important to be watching out for it, especially in those sample varieties, um, and taking that decision of either spraying a fuller fungicide or not, again, based on disease level and uh, variety suitability and, and weather conditions. That's my conversation with Dr. Romolo Lovato of Kansas State University. I'm Susan Littlefield, World Radio Network. The 2020 Census is the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum. Join us Tuesday, May 19th from 3 to 4 Central, 2 to 3 Mountain on 880 KRVN. Guests include Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, UNK Professor Dr. Peter Longo, a representative from the Center of Public Affairs and more. We'll learn about the importance of the census, the impacts on rural communities, notably on the agricultural sector, challenges faced by officials to ensure everyone is counted, and more. The 2020 Census on the next Rural Radio Forum. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are mixed in trading on Wall Street as investors wait to see how well the lifting of lockdowns around the world goes. The S&P 500 and other U.S. indexes were flipping between small gains and losses, following up on mixed performances in Europe and Asia. U.S. consumer prices fell eight-tenths of a percent in April. The biggest decline since the 2008 financial crisis, with the declines led by a huge drop in gasoline prices and in sectors most affected by the coronavirus shutdowns. The Labor Department reported that core prices, which exclude food and energy, fell four-tenths of a percent last month. The largest monthly decline in core prices on records that go back to 1957. The eight-tenths percent drop in overall prices followed a four-tenths percent drop in March. Gasoline prices were down 20.6 percent in April and contributed the most to the downward pressure on inflation. 
Dr. Anthony Fauci, the top U.S. infectious disease expert, is warning Congress that if the country reopens too soon during the coronavirus pandemic, it will bring needless suffering and death. Fauci is among the experts testifying to a Senate panel today. His testimony comes as President Donald Trump is pressuring states to reopen after the prolonged lockdown aimed at controlling the virus's spread. With the U.S. economy in freefall and more than 30 million people unemployed, the president wants to restart the economy. Tesla CEO Elon Musk confirmed on Twitter that the company has restarted its California factory, a move that defied local government orders involving measures to contain the coronavirus. In a Monday tweet, Musk said that he would be on the assembly line and asked that he be arrested if authorities take anyone into custody. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bergen. When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney, this is why they have the interstate shut down, waters over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880 KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Pesticide container recycling is going to continue in 2020. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network, joined on the phone by Greg Puckett. He's a Nebraska Extension Assistant. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, tell us a little bit more about the recycling program for 2020. So the Pesticide Container Recycling Program is entering its 29th year in 2020. So over the years, we've, they've been able to recycle uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds of plastic from these containers uh, in Nebraska. Now, although a lot can be recycled, of course, not everything is recyclable for, for this specific program. So what are the requirements for a container to be recycled? Yeah, so we have a page on our website pested.unl.edu that sort of lists out the requirements for uh, containers to be recycled. So some of those general requirements are uh, the containers need to be made from high-density polyethylene plastic, um, and the way you can determine if that's the case is they're marked with the number two plastic code. So in, in general, the containers that are accepted are containers that held pesticides for uh, primarily for crop production, but they also accept them that were used for um, sort of ornamental and turf applications. So sort of more the commercial side and farmers, of course. Um, And so containers that are one gallon, 2.5 gallons, some sites will accept the larger drums up to 55 gallon capacity and um, so you'll want to make sure that the site that you're going to accepts those drums if you have those to drop off. 
And we mentioned before we got recording, um, this the collection sites and the schedules, those are changing. We're hoping to add more, but where's the best place to find out that information and what can you tell us right now about where these sites are? So I would again point you to our container recycling webpage on pested.unl.edu. So as of right now, we've got sites in coming at the West Point Transfer Station. We've got one in Custer. Uh, we've got one in North Platte and then one in Gretna. Very good. Well, as we round out this conversation, Greg, uh, what else is important to know about this recycling program? One thing is that um, the containers that are not accepted are going to be you know, sort of your household consumer pesticides, like your home and garden products, that sort of thing. Those are not going to be accepted in this program, but I would encourage folks to look for a household hazardous waste disposal event in their area that will accept those products. And then I also just want to emphasize that uh, recycling these containers is the absolute preferred method for doing this because putting plastic out into the landfill is not ideal. Burning them is likely worse. It's going to put those fumes into the atmosphere. And so recycling is a responsible and efficient way to get rid of those containers. Absolutely. Great reminder. Thanks so much, Greg. Thank you. We've been joined by Greg Puckett. He is a Nebraska Extension Assistant as we've been talking about the pesticide container recycling program that is continuing in 2020. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Radio Network. I'm talking with John Payne of Senior Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as we take a look here at the closing grains, corn actually kind of pulling through here as we get out that latest WASD data. We get some, some helpful things in the demand side of it. But going forward, we still have a big crop to contend with next year. Yeah. So there was a lot of moving parts today. I mean, yeah, the old crop adjustments, the new crop adjustments, Global adjustments. I mean, all in all, corn was not. It was a bullish day. Um, the only thing I think you can point towards was was the old crop and the old crop being at two billion versus three point three billion for new crop, um, and then the new crop size, like you mentioned, sixteen billion. Um, the bottom line is, we're just too many acres. You know, I mean, if that would adjust lower in the coming weeks, and the big report will be June thirtieth, so kind of mark that one down. Uh, June thirtieth report shows that. You know, acreage is at 94 million. Well, and that's a different story here for new crop. And you might have to ration a little bit, but um, if, if it is where it is right now, we have a good year. And they use 178. Um, they use 178 as their yield. Um, it's. I mean, what if we do 185? You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to think that we're gonna have a bad year. I'm expecting to have some sort of problem pop up. But bottom line is, we're closer to 17 billion and 14 billion and it stinks to say but we have to shed acres for the future so i mean any rally you get this summer based off weather i think you've got to be looking to price next year's crop i I know it's like a gamble and you're saying wow you're gonna price it a year ahead how many things could change it's like yeah i've been saying that for five years now that something has to change and we just continue to plant and produce more and more so hopefully things something does change today's report wasn't awful um you know for soybeans i thought the new crop numbers were very friendly, so I looked for moves up into the nines at some point on the new crop beans, but 
for new crop corn perspective, you know, it's going to be hard here at 360, 355, 360. I don't, I don't know what to tell folks. It's hard to price it early there, but that might be the play. You know, we look over it briefly on that wheat side as well. There's still a lot of global demand for wheat, but these global stocks of wheat looks like we're not running out of it. No, and it really depends on the class. The Chicago side, I think, is really where things could get hairy here in the coming months. Um, you know, the acreage that we're going to get, I think, will get adjusted down in the coming weeks. I think the harvested acres as well. I've seen a lot of folks bailing instead of harvesting, especially in Texas. This thing's got some hailstorms recently. So I think we probably made a low in the very, very near term, but um, I think we probably need to be looking to price early June, just like you would on any other year when you get a corn rally. So um, by the time it comes around, if we have wheat in stocks, I think you'll see it somewhere closer to the... Uh, the that's again Don Payne. Thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up today's midday program here on KRVM. If you missed anything or want to rehear any of our interviews or segments, you can listen to the midday podcast brought to you by Duveni Motors at KRVN.com or subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Duveni Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.